Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 2023 is the year of the quarterback. Hurts has all day. Taking a shot. There's a galaxy of cannon-armed field generals taking the NFL by storm. Herbert with time down the sideline. Look in the end zone. Who will hoist the Lombardi Trophy when the confetti falls? Mahomes in trouble. Gets away. Mahomes racing with the bad angle at all. Somehow Patrick Mahomes. On Saturdays, it's a season of final acts. Caleb Williams throws the fade in the corner. Legacy programs are leaving their old rivals for new destinations. I'm inviting the University of Oregon to be a member of the Big Ten. The bitterness is everywhere. Prime time! wins his first one. We chronicle it all right here on Sunday Morning Football, only on CBS Sports Radio. All right, thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Damon Amendolara, DA with you here on Sunday Morning Football. Coming your way in 20 minutes. We've got the insiders as we'll pick apart today's action around the NFL with those in the game and around the game. Also, later on in the hour, in 40 minutes, our Vegas virtuoso Amal Shah is going to join us. And we'll dissect today's NFL lines with a Sharps perspective. All of that coming up straight ahead here on Sunday Morning Football. And there's so many ways you can listen to the show. You can check us out using your free Odyssey app on your phone. Also using the free CBS Sports app. Tell your smart speaker to play CBS Sports Radio or listen to us in hundreds of affiliates nationwide as well as on Sirius XM Channel 158. Well, big slate of action yesterday was finished off with Notre Dame and Ohio State. A pair of top 10 teams going at it from Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, Indiana. And this was the game, as we all know, Notre Dame has struggled to win and even play in, be close in for a long time. There were certainly hiccups along the way last year for Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, but it looked like that they had kind of ironed some of those out, most of those out, going into yesterday's game. And despite a sluggish start, the second half, Notre Dame took control of the game. And all they needed leading late in this one was one darn stop. Just one. They led 14-10. to And so Ohio State needed the touchdown. Could it settle for the field goal? Notre Dame's defense was armed with a four-point lead, eight minutes to play, 
and trying to keep Ohio State off of out of the end zone and and off of the field. When ultimately Ohio State got the football back with just over just under 90 seconds to play after a punt by Notre Dame. They had to go 65 yards in a minute and 28. And time and time and time and time again, like the worst paper cut bleed ever, death by a thousand of them, Ohio State and Kyle McCord made the throws and made the plays and picked up the first downs. And it was like watching this horror film, if you were a Notre Dame fan, unfold in front of you. Because all you had to do was escape one time out of the house. Just kill Jason or Freddy Krueger or the guy from Saw. Just once. Get out of that house. Escape with the win. Didn't matter if it was going to get tough at the end, shaky at the end, scary at the end. Just get out with the win. And they just kept bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. And on the final play of the game, you just got to get one stop. On the final play of the game, Notre Dame has 10 defenders on the field. The Buckeyes run right to that side, and that's how Notre Dame loses yet again to an elite foe. We are coming in hot right now. Two to one, you've got a pair of bogeys, 12 o'clock. 30 plus years of service. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Uh, yeah, attention, air control. Uh, someone tell DA he's coming in hot. The end is inevitable, Maverick. You're kind of headed for extinction. Maybe so, sir. But not today. Just a crushing way to lose this game. Not only did they have 10 men on the field on the final play, they had 10 men on the field the final two plays. The second-to-last play of the of the game for Ohio State. They threw a pass into the end zone that was incomplete. But on that play, Notre Dame also had 10 men on the field. So Marcus Freeman and his staff missed two chances to get an 11th man on the field. How does that happen after allowing the Ohio State Buckeyes to convert a 3rd and 10, a 4th and 7, and a 3rd and 19? All of those long distances on third or fourth down, Ohio State was able to pick up. And the Notre Dame defense this week is going to watch that footage like it's a horror film. They're going to sit in that film room and have to endure the fact that they had all of those chances to just make one play one, and they couldn't. Let's listen in to Noah Eagle last night at NBC Sports and Marcus Freeman after the loss. As the last play of the game. Give it to him. Trainer up the middle. He's in. Touchdown, Ohio State. They walk it off at Notre Dame Stadium. Marcus, the film shows that on that last play, there were only 10 people on the field. Just curious what happened. Yeah, we were trying to get a fourth D lineman on the field, and I told him just stay off because we can't we can't afford a penalty. I didn't have any timeouts, right? So we couldn't afford a penalty there. Um, you know, and... Yeah, it's, it's on us. It's got to be better. I don't know how you can stomach that if you're a Notre Dame fan. I don't know how you can do it. I don't know how you could possibly excuse your head coach for not having a full 11 men on the field for two plays. You know, and okay, he didn't have any timeouts left. 
don't you have to send a guy onto the field to take the penalty? I know that it would stop the game, and they would have to, you know, give the half yard to to Ohio State. And Freeman said after the game that he was worried about allowing Ohio State to get settled. But would you rather have one man short on the field? I mean, it, it's preferable to have 10 men to stop Ohio State. And it looked like the Buckeyes knew that because they ran right to the side of the field where there was no defensive lineman lined up. It's just inexcusable. For two plays for that to happen, for two plays for that to happen, is just inexcusable. And for Notre Dame and that defense, I, mean, I just, how can you possibly walk through this week knowing every single play that you had a chance to end it? Every single play and all of those long distances, and they converted all of them on you, and then when it mattered most, you had 10 men on the field. Throughout history now, that's not Notre Dame-Ohio State. That's the 10-men game. Earlier in the day, Lane Kiffin had a chance to finally get over the hump against the guy that has owned him for years, Nick Saban in Alabama. I mean, last week, the Crimson Tide beat a bad USF team 17-3, and it was a 10-3 game until 30 seconds to play. Now, Ole Miss came in ranked with its Lane Kiffin offense, Jackson Dart throwing darts, and yet they couldn't take advantage at all. And against Alabama yesterday, it looked like it's always looked, even against an Alabama team that clearly was vulnerable and whose offense was stuck in neutral. And the Bama offense was atrocious to watch in the first half yesterday. The door was swung wide open for Ole Miss to walk through, and they just simply couldn't do it. Alabama wins 24-10. to Here's how it sounded from Eli Golden Learfield. So the Crimson Tide now. With Oots in the left slot. Play action. Milrow looks long, has a man there. Touchdown, Alabama! You know, I thought Jalen played um, really, really well. Um, you know, they played trap down there and uh, you guys don't know what that is but you know somebody zones off in the flat and everybody's playing man to man something we do something Pete does and got fooled by that when he threw the interception but other than that I thought he really played well. I thought we did some good things on defense at times but the whole thing was to not let this quarterback throw it over our head and make him work it downfield and ended up going over our head twice for two big plays so um, really disappointed. Uh, the result came near to win and uh, didn't do that today and wish we would hit that last pass there to get to one score with three timeouts and see what would have happened there. But <clears throat> disappointing, especially when you don't get these guys again at least for a year. Um, so, more missed opportunities. Oh, Laney, how long can you make a career tugging on Superman's cape and then when it comes to the fight, you just never win? You know, it's like one of these villains in a DC comic that always wants to fight Superman and talks trash, and yet you know every single time that they, they battle, Superman wins. Again, this is a day where Alabama's offense was clunky to say the very least. It was a 7-6 Ole Miss lead at halftime. And then from there on out, Ole Miss scored a measly three points. 
you know, if, if you can't do it against this Alabama team, I don't want to hear about you ever doing it. If you were ever going to do it, this was the day to do it. This was the game to do it. This was the time to do it. The Tide had no offensive rhythm coming into the game, had no offensive confidence. They showed it in the first half themselves that they, they still couldn't get anything moving on the, on, the, on the offense, and yet you still lost by two touchdowns. Like, at some point, Lane Kiffin is just noise. At some point, the whole teasing Saban and teasing the Tide is just silliness. And it's fine. You know, Ole Miss is 3-1, and one, and so, you know, that's that's better than they used to be. And they're, you know, going to end up being the fourth best team of the SEC West or something, and that's fine. That's better than they used to be. But you, you can't keep tweaking the Tide and then never show up to to beat them when, especially in a moment like now, they were vulnerable to be had. Finally, in the NFL, the Chargers season is on life support here at 0-2. They take on another desperate team of the Vikings today. Last week, it was the Titans who did the number to a Chargers team in a tight one. Here's Mike Keith on Titans Radio. Morgan Cox to snap. Ryan Stonehouse to hold. And the kick... The redemption of Ryan Tannehill on a Sunday that started sunny, ended with rain, and saw the Titans beat an arch nemesis from over 60 years ago by hanging in offensively, defensively, and finding a way. I'm not, I'm not worried about the Jacksonville loss. The Jacksonville loss hasn't carried on to the season whatsoever. If you've seen our training camp or you've seen the way we've played in the first two games, it hasn't had an impact on our team whatsoever. Our team is connected. Our team has played its heart out in two games, and we've lost two tough games. But there's, it has nothing to do with the Jacksonville game. And if you ask anyone in our locker room, it has nothing to do with the Jacksonville game. And that's just the truth. It's a convenient storyline for you and for everybody else, but it's not the truth. We've lost two tough games, but the guys in that locker room, the men in that locker room, they are finishers and they have what it takes. And we're excited to prove ourselves. Um, I think uh, we do our best not to listen to, to stats and listen to things outside of our control. We're going to do everything we can to, to win this game on Sunday. Um, and we're doing everything we can during, during practice, in the film room, in the weight room. Um, and then anything beyond that is, is not in our focus right now. So we're focused on the Vikings. It's nice to say, if you're Brandon Staley, that what happened last year, last season, against the Jaguars, the collapse, didn't have any hangover effect. And... If you're Brandon Staley, you could understand that because Staley has gone through off-season workouts and the draft and free agency and OTAs and rookie camps and mini camps and practices and preseason and now two football games. And so he's lived a whole life in between that loss and these. At the same time, it's hard not to look at it from afar and say, yeah, you guys have felt like you've been in a hangover since that game. They're 0-2, and this game is in Minnesota, and it's a push. Right now, it's the line is is even. And so this is a pick'em game for the Vikings and Chargers. Both are 0-2. Whoever falls to 0-3, you kind of have to chalk it up as lost season. I expected the Vikings to not be very good. I expected the Chargers to at least be in the playoff hunt this year. This is a must-win for Staley and a must-win for the Chargers because you trail then – in the division, you trail in a, in a tight AFC in general. 
and then you fall to 0-3, not pretty if you're the Chargers. So must, must, must win today at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Okay, when we come back here on the show, we've got the insiders, those in the game and around the game, discussing the game. We'll talk about the Patriots and Zach Wilson coming up today. The Patriots take on the Jets and Zach Wilson. They have a 14-game win streak in this series. A chaotic week for the Chicago Bears and the domination of Micah Parsons early in this season. It's coming up here next. DA, CBS Sports. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries. So that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Radio. Next from CBS Sports, the National Football League. You are looking live. You're locked in to Sunday Morning Football on CBS Sports Radio with your host, D.A. Congratulations, man. That's all. It's time for The Insiders. So, too. Ready? Cut. Welcome back, everybody, to Sunday Morning Football. Love hearing those retro sounds of the NFL on CBS. Today is week number three of the NFL season. And when it comes to... Our insider segments, we love tapping into the people that cover these games, are in the middle of these games, know what they're talking about. We start with the Jets and the Patriots later on today. Again, this this is a crazy streak where in a division with so much familiarity and in the NFL within so much parity, the Patriots have beaten the Jets 14 straight times for seven consecutive seasons they've swept them and so can that change today will that change today I mean the Jets have been blown out they've lost in heartbreaking fashion they've lost with starting quarterbacks backup quarterbacks they've lost on the road and at home they just simply cannot solve Bill Belichick and 
One would imagine Bill takes great glee in this streak, even if he would not admit it, considering his history with the New York Jets. Here is writer Charles McDonald on whether the Jets have a chance with Zach Wilson under center today. Uh, <laughs> oof. That's a tough, that's tough. Uh, I would say probably not really, uh, only because you know, Zach is, He's just he's just really struggled, man. And I think last year, or really the past couple of years, whenever he's played the Patriots, uh, it hasn't really just been bad. It's kind of been one of those like apocalyptically bad performances that make you question, like how did this end up in a spot where he's picked number two overall? Uh, and you know, it's it, it, to me it's kind of funny where the the Jets are they're so adamant that Zach is going to be the long term starter and he's going to be a part of their team for a long time. But they were also desperately trying to replace him this offseason. Uh, you know, courting Derek Carr and telling Derek Carr that he could be a Hall of Famer if he played for the Jets. Uh, you know, you, you eventually get a trade for Aaron Rodgers. That goes down in four plays. And now, you know, you, you're back on the Zach show. Um, and I think as we've seen in the past two weeks, it's it's not that great. But, hey, if there is a chance that the Jets have to kind of get across the finish line, they play really good defense, though. McDonald writes for Yahoo Sports and covers the NFL. Like I mentioned last hour, the Jets, you can't come into the season and talk Super Bowl aspirations and historically great defense and all of these big expectations and then start one and two and not be able to beat the team that's beaten you into the turf for 14 straight times when that team's 0-2, a worse record than you have. It would just be, to me, emotionally a wreckage today if the Jets can't come out of this win, losing at home to an 0-2 Patriots team. And they want to believe that there's still a season, but it would be really hard if they lost today and still believe there would be a season. So this is kind of massive emotionally and mentally for the Jets, and it really is hard to envision anything getting better with Zach Wilson. And I would compare Zach to what's happening in Washington with Sam Howell. Now, it is distinctly possible that Eric Bieniemy is a great offensive coordinator, great play caller, and has everything kind of rolling. You can make the argument that, you know, Sam Howell might have, in some ways, better physical gifts than Zach Wilson, but Zach was drafted number two overall, and Howell's a fifth rounder. Howell has had three starts in the NFL. Three. Zach Wilson's had three seasons. This is his third season in the NFL. There is not a doubt in my mind that Howell runs a better offense. Now, what does that mean? It means that Zach Wilson has had his chances, and yeah, there might be a lot of dysfunction around him. There might be, you know, this, that, or the other thing with the Jets and no consistency or continuity or offensive coaches or what have you. But the fact is, Zach Wilson doesn't have it. He doesn't get it. And I don't know how you could expect it to change. And so today, I don't know why you would believe that Zach will suddenly find it against a wizard like Bill Belichick, but that's the ask. And there's a lot of history piled on top of this for the Jets and Zach Wilson today. Here's Mike Jones, who covered the NFL for the Athletic after the chaotic week in Chicago where Justin Fields pointed at coaching as a reason why he's playing too robotic and their defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, re 
resigned from the position after it was reported that the FBI raided his home. Here's Mike Jones. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what his motives were. Was he trying to uh, shove his second-year head coach uh, onto the hot seat um, or or trying to uh, get the attention of the general manager or send a message to his coach? Um, Then if that was the the goal, then he achieved that. Uh, I do think, though, that regardless of whatever issues he has with Matt um, Uberfuss, that he probably um, caused more harm than good. Uh, I don't know if they had had conversations about that particular topic uh, times before and it wasn't being heated or what, but now it's a distraction. They already have a really tall task in beating the Chiefs, and so now uh, you've got, uh, you know, guys having to to wonder, okay, what's going on with the head coach and with their quarterback? Um, And it's just, it wasn't something that was needed, I don't think, if you were trying to prepare to win a game. He can have that thought in his head. He can have conversations behind closed doors. But when you put him on blast like that, and then, you know, he tried to, to walk it back, saying, oh, I'm not blaming anybody. I need to play better point blank. But it already was out. You can't put it back in the jar. There's a part of what Justin Fields said, which I don't, I can't kill him for because he's a, he's a quarterback that right now is very frustrated. I'm sure he's very embarrassed and I'm sure he's searching for answers and he kind of blurts out why he thinks he's playing robotic coaching. And at that point, maybe he's trying to be honest that that's how he feels. Maybe he realizes the mistake because later on in the press conference is where he kind of walks it back and says, you know, but it's still on me. I've got to take all the information they give me and and do what's you know and and make what I can out of it. And so it's it's not as it's not as striking as some people make it out to be. At least in in my interpretation of it. What I didn't like was he came back out of the locker room later on in the day and then blamed the media for trying to divide the locker room and to just try to to create clicks. And I think if you're a young quarterback and you recognized that, you know what, I I shouldn't have said that and I shouldn't have been divisive, then what you need to do is really own it that way and not try to be divisive and say, you know what, I I spoke at a turn. It's not what I meant. My bad there. You know, it's certainly not what I intended and and I've got all the trust I, I can in the coaches. Instead of then point of the finger because then what you end up doing is it looks like you've blamed the coaches in round one and then the media in round two for your blame of the coaches none of those is looking in the mirror so I just think Fields messed up the whole thing and you know for the the Bears themselves I don't know if that coaching staff deserves any credit or any leash or patience because they haven't done anything either but today you know, how to believe it's going to get any different, I don't know, as the Bears travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. The lone good thing for the Bears is that the Chiefs haven't looked great through the first two weeks either. But if you're just solely looking at the Bears, it's obviously not good, and Fields has to prove quickly that he is more than just an athletic, athletically gifted QB, but can't get it done on Sundays. Finally, Ross Tucker played offensive line in the NFL and is now a member of both Westwood One and the NFL on CBS. And the Dallas Cowboys defense has had, obviously, a tremendous start to the season. The Cowboys shutting out the Giants 40 to nothing, and then beating the Jets last week 30-10. to Micah Parsons getting some 
pretty heady comparisons made to him, including perhaps the greatest defensive player ever. Here's Tucker. It's interesting because I will also say this, like, you know, when LT was playing DA, the offensive tackles were not like they are now, right? Like That's fair. LT changed the game to the point where teams realized they had to get more athletic offensive tackles because he was so fast around the edge. It's interesting, like, you know, it doesn't work this way, but it'd be interesting to flip them, right? Like, have Micah Parsons go back to 1981 and have LT be now. I'm just saying, like, man, when I watch him, there aren't that many guys that you watch in the NFL and you're just like, well, he's different. Like, he's moving differently than the other people that are out there. He's just a different player. And I feel like that's what we're watching with him. And, I mean, look, you know, his rookie year, he almost won the defensive player of the year. He was second. Last year he was second again. I mean, he's, he, he almost did the LT of being the best defensive player in the league his rookie year. He almost did it. I like to stop short of, of comparisons to guys like Lawrence Taylor because Lawrence Taylor's one of one. Lawrence Taylor is the most feared defensive player in NFL history and perhaps also the greatest NFL defensive player ever. Micah Parsons is not at that level. LT won a league MVP. That's a true rarity for a defensive player. A league MVP, not defensive player of the year. He won league MVP over any quarterback and any running back in 1986. He had 20 and a half sacks that season, was completely unblockable, and led the Giants to a Super Bowl championship, their first ever. Wake me up when Micah Parsons does any of those things. When Micah Parsons has 20-plus sacks, wins league MVP, and leads his team to a Super Bowl. Now, are the Cowboys really good? The defense is really good, yeah. Is Micah Parsons really good? He sure is. Is at times, does he look unblockable? He sure does. But the comps to LT is a laugh. It's a total laugh. That a guy in his brief early part of his career who hasn't done any of the things LT has done is going to get compared to LT. I mean, look, he's athletic, great edge rusher, Blows up backfields. That's all great. Let's keep LT's name out of everybody's mouth when it comes to Micah Parsons. Please, can we? Please have a little respect. Well, Steelers fans, not going to be happy. They already wanted Matt Canada fired. And how about this report from self-addressed NFL insider Jordan Schultz. Sources, the Steelers are moving offensive coordinator Matt Canada to a more prominent role working with Kenny Pickett. Canada will continue calling plays, but will also be working directly with Pickett on a daily basis. Canada was hired in 2020 as a quarterback's coach, then promoted to coordinator prior to the 2021 season. The Steelers believe in Canada, and they anticipate this making a big difference. And everybody in Pittsburgh just gagged on their breakfast primanti brothers. Everybody wants this guy fired. Everybody wants this guy canned. Everybody wants that offense to be better. Everybody wants Kenny Pickett to take the next, the next step. And now the Steelers reportedly are promoting him to a more significant role within the offense, working closer with Kenny Pickett. We'll see how that unfolds. The Steelers tonight are in Vegas to take on the Raiders. 
Coming up here next, we've got our Vegas virtuoso, Amal Shah, to look at today's NFL action from a Vegas perspective. Stick around. DA, Sunday Morning Football, CBS Sports Radio. Winners, whiners, wise guys. Every week we scour the NFL odds to see where you should plunk down your scratch. I should bet. Sunday Morning Football, making wagering fun again. You win. Welcome back, everybody, to Sunday Morning Football here on CBS Sports Radio. I'm your host, D.A., Damon Amendolari. And now time to welcome on another host. He's the co-host of Sharp Money on VCI, the first ever sports betting network. Joining us, our friend Amal Shah. Amal, good morning. D.A., how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. Let us begin with the worst team in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals, because week number one, Commanders favored by seven. They won by four. Last week, the Giants favored by four. They won by three. The Cardinals might be the worst team in football, but they've covered the last two games, the first two games, and now it looks like the number is pushed up to 13. The Cowboys favored by 13 points against the Cards today. So what do we do with these numbers that are maybe a little inflated about Arizona? You know, uh, I think when you look at this Cardinals team, that loss against the Giants was very difficult to swallow. You've got a 28-7 lead in the third quarter. A couple of first downs in the game would have been sealed, but couldn't deliver. I think that's a difficult spot. Now, Dallas, remember, without Trayvon Diggs, now for the rest of the season, it's going to impact their secondary. But here's how I come in on a game like this, especially a team at home. I'm either taking the Cardinals on 13, 13 and a half, or I'm not touching this game. Long term, the National Football League, if you're laying 14 points on the road, you're going to end up losing money. And make no mistake about it, these players and teams know that there are two touchdown underdogs, the essence of total disrespect. And I think if you're playing this game, you have to look towards the Cardinals or maybe just stay away from it completely. Okay. Bills and Commanders from FedEx Field. Now, the Commanders are 2-0, and and yet... Buffalo is favored by five and a half or six points most places on the road. Commander's offense has looked pretty good the last two weeks, including last week against Denver, but the Bills seem to kind of find what they're made of last week against the Raiders. So where do you sit on the Bills laying six or so on the road against an undefeated team? Yeah, Washington's undefeated. Give them a ton of credit, but as you alluded to, they played Arizona, and that was a tight game if you saw that one. And then, of course, the Denver game, a blown opportunity there. I don't think they can continue to rely on having to come from behind. Uh, this should be an intriguing matchup. Weather could be a little bit of a factor in the first half of this one. Rain expected in the nation's capital. Uh, but for me, Buffalo's a team that's generally done well against the weaker opponents. Last week, they gave up a seven spot against the Raiders early on. And then it's all Buffalo the rest of the way. They outscore the Raiders 38-3. to um, This is a game, I don't know if Buffalo covers this game. Again, like I said, D.A., I'm not a big fan of laying points on the road to the National Football League, a risky proposition. And Washington, the more games they win, I think the confidence starts to grow. Sam Howell played well, but again, the big concern is the offensive line. But I'm not completely sold in this Buffalo defense either. So in this one, I would look towards the commanders and the points. I think Buffalo ekes out a win but you're getting about five and a half here. Pretty decent number uh, to be able to get at home in the NFL. Amal Shah joins us from VSIN, our Vegas virtuoso today. Explain to me what Vegas sees in Chargers and Vikings. I mean, the Chargers are 0-2, but they've had two pretty tight, tough losses. They're on the road today against another 0-2 team, the Vikings. So 
Does this mean that Vegas thinks that these are basically the same squad, or is there something about home field advantage baked into this? How do we we look at Chargers and Vikings being even with their seasons basically flickering on the line? Yeah, DA, I'm glad you brought up the home field advantage. The value has reduced over the last several years uh, post-COVID. And the thing is, when you look at the Chargers, they're the first team in NFL history to score better than 50 points, have no turnovers in two games, and still be 0-2. Uh, this is a team that can be just as easily 2-0 as they are 0-2. Uh, this is a tough game for me to call, but I'll tell you what I would do is if you're a teaser better. I would tease whichever side you're getting a point at. If, if Minnesota's still laying a point, I would take the Chargers. Uh, and the one thing I would also advocate for is just check and make sure you know the rules of your teasers, whether a tie is a push or a tie is a loss. That'll determine whether you want to take six or six and a half or potentially even seven. So just take that into consideration. Uh, but right now when you look at this Minnesota team, I just don't think they're particularly that good. That game against Philadelphia, they were pretty do- uh, thoroughly dominated. But again, the turnovers hurt them. Tampa does a nice job on the road. Didn't give up a ton of yards against the Buccaneers, but they find a way uh, to lose that game as well. I think Herbert and company should have an effective day. I think Justin Jefferson has an opportunity for a big day as well. Uh, for me, this is a teaser play that I had taken earlier in the week with the Chargers when they were catching a point and a half. I'm going to stay on that trend there. If you can get the Chargers in a teaser... Both teams have a habit of playing one-score games. The Chargers have played 15 one-score games over the last two seasons. We saw Minnesota's record in one-score uh, games last year as well. Titans and Browns. Okay, so the Browns look pretty good week number one. And then last week, Deshaun Watson just catches all types of flack for, for being back to his mediocre self. Here are the Titans coming off a stirring victory against the Chargers in overtime. And yet the Browns are favored by more than a field goal, three and a half here. So what's Vegas see about the Browns with all of this criticism raining down on an offense that now loses Nick Chubb and has Deshaun Watson, who's not playing very well? Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. You bring up a great, great question in terms of the line here. And to me, you know, when you look at this Browns team losing Nick Chubb, You've got injuries throughout in terms of, I I think, Cochran's out on the offensive line as well. He's got a torn ACL, so... I don't think they quantify enough of the loss of Nick Chubb. You know, I thought we were going to have the best running backs matchup today in the NFL between Henry and Chubb. The better running back residing in Tennessee now with Derrick Henry. I like the Titans here getting three and a half. I don't think the adjustment on Nick Chubb is high high enough. It's probably about a point, point and a half. But Nick Chubb makes the rest of this offense work. The way Deshaun Watson has played, I don't know if Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt can do enough to be able to overcome the inconsistency of Watson. I'll take the better coach in Mike Grable, the better running game. And even though Tannehill has played poorly, they've still been in football games. I'll take the three and a hook here on the road with Tennessee. All right, excellent. Amal, is there any other numbers you really like today that we didn't hit on? Yeah, this is a game I wouldn't advocate watching, but I love the Jets at home. I mean, you're going to see some (laughs) horrific quarterback play between Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. But a couple of things that stand out for me. The Jets' defense got embarrassed last week. I still believe it's a top five, top three defense in the National Football League. They'll bounce back in a big way. Dallas scored 30 points on them. But I believe New York will play better in this game. We know New England's got a very solid defense, played well at home against uh, the Miami Dolphins. And even though the Patriots have dominated this series, I think they've won, what, 14 in a row? Um, yep. Here's an opportunity for this uh, Jets team at home. This is a crucial game for both teams. We already know the Pats are off to an 0-2 start. You have an opportunity to really bury a division opponent. With a loss here, New England goes to 0-3 and 0-2 in division play. 
Jets would be 2-1 and one in the division, so not out of contention. If you're Zach Wilson, look, you're eventually going to get fired in essence. Might as well just get out there and just rip it. You've got a great receiver in Garrett Wilson. Brees Hall is an absolute dude at the tailback position, and you rely on that defense. I, I like the Jets should not be, in my opinion, a home dog catching two, two and a half. I'll take that uh, on the money line. Uh, to me, New York wins this game. Right on. Amal Shah joining us. He's the co-host of Sharp Money weekday afternoons on VSIN. Also available on YouTube as well and iHeartRadio. Check it out. Sharp Money on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can follow Amal on Twitter at Amal Shah1. Always great to catch up, my man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Amal Shah, our Vegas virtuoso this morning. Here on the show. All right, good stuff from Amal. Here's how your Sunday scoreboard looks right now, the kickoff times, etc. You've got the early window, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Here are the games in the early window. Titans and Browns in Cleveland. The Browns are favored, as I mentioned, by 3.5 points. Falcons and Lions from Ford Field in Detroit. Another early kick. Lions favored at home by three and a half points. Saints and Packers is the Pack couldn't hold on to the lead last weekend. Jordan Love kicking himself down the stretch against the Falcons. Saints and Packers from Lambeau. Packers a slight favorite, a one-point favorite of this game, also an early kick. In Miami, Hard Rock Stadium, home of the Dolphins. Miami hosts the Broncos, who are 0-2. The Dolphins are six-point favorites in this game. Six-point favorites for the Dolphins against the Broncos today. Also, early window, the Vikings-Chargers game we've been talking about. U.S. Bank Stadium in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. Vikings-Chargers right now, even. Okay, that is a pick line right now between the Chargers and the Vikings. The Patriots-Jets game is also an early kick. The Patriots on the road at MetLife. The Jets wanted to brand that Jet Life Stadium, but not so much if the Patriots are favored in your home stadium. Pats on the road in East Rutherford, a two-and-a-half-point favorite today. So we got to hold off on Jet Life Stadium if the Patriots basically make you pay your rent to them every time that they come in. Also, early window, Bills and Commanders from FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. Commanders at home, plus five and a half. The Bills are five and a half to six-point favorites most places on the road against the Commanders. Early kick in Jacksonville. The Jaguars are at home against the Texans. Jags are one and one after losing last week against Kansas City. Texans are 0-2. The Jaguars are 7.5-point favorites at home. And the last early kick of the day is Colts and Ravens. The Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, the home team. And the Ravens at 2-0 are 7.5-point favorites over the Colts. 7.5 is the line in favor of the Ravens. Your late kicks, only three late kicks today. On the West Coast, it's the Seahawks hosting the Panthers at Lumen Field in Seattle. Seahawks are five-point favorites at home. The Bears and Chiefs from Arrowhead is going to be one of those national Fox games. And this is following the crazy week in Chicago for the Bears. The Chiefs are huge favorites, favored by 12.5 at home today over Chicago. 
And then Cowboys in Arizona to take on the Cardinals at Glendale. One would imagine when the Cowboys used to play in Arizona every year when they were in the NFC East together, Cowboys fans flocked. I would imagine we could see a lot of silver and blue as well in the stadium today against the Cardinals. Cowboys are a 12.5-point favorite. Your Sunday night game, Steelers and Raiders from Vegas, where the Raiders are three-point favorites. And that'll do it for us this morning here on Sunday Morning Football. Thanks to E.J. Stewart, your executive producer. Thanks to Kevin Wall on the Wheels of Steel and Tony Pierno on your headlines. Enjoy your NFL weekend, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow morning on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.